It makes us sweet. Sugar rots your teeth, but it makes us happy. Okay, Hinge, yeah. really? You're offering me sugar and salt, okay, before my shows. Good, it's good. I can tell you all want to kill me. I'm no. just trying to make you happy. If you want to make me happy, then Listen, think of my nutritional Holly, intake more than five minutes before I run through. Could you imagine if I said, do you want sushi? You're like, Hen, I had sushi for lunch yesterday. Where's my variety? I don't. <laughs> Hen, I don't want sushi before I do a show. I don't want fish. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to smell like a poisson. <laughs> okay. You're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast, the place where you can connect to the sky. Future lovers ride about all things Madonna, Louise, Veronica, Chicote. Hey guys, I'm Tony. Don't sit there like some silly girl. If you wait too long, it'll be too late. And I'm Stefan. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We've got another action-packed episode coming at you today. Uh, We are going to take a deep dive on Madonna and touring, since, as we all know, the Madame X tour is right around the corner. We are 10 days away from the Madame X extravaganza coming to you live from Brooklyn, New York. Yes. um, Just like this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Madonna's in Brooklyn. We're in Brooklyn. We're... uh, we're not sitting outside of the BAM hoping to hear and see things, but um, I, I don't know. Maybe, Tony, you haven't stopped by BAM, have you? you no, she she has left Greenpoint for rehearsals, and now she is at the BAM. And no, I haven't seen her around. You're, you're, not, st- you're not stalking BAM? You know, I'm always thinking that Madonna's going to go step out for a break and get a bagel and... Or maybe a slice, you know. Well, there's that taco place across the street from Bam that's really, really good. It's really good. I think we should go there before we see the show. Um, yeah. That looks Who doesn't good. love a little Mexican before a little Madame Max? I'll see you there Thursday, September 19th. Well, yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. So I think the, the big hiccup we've had just recently, and I use hiccup in, in a light term. No, I was going to say you're being very kind because <laughs> hiccup, uh, there were people that were greatly affected by this new development. Yes. So uh, about a week and a half ago, I got a text from my friend Rob. We were meant to go see Madonna on the original opening night of the Madame X tour, which was supposed to be September 13th, this coming Thursday. And he's like, she postponed the show. I said, what? And I flew to my email and, uh, the opening show and the show on the 15th had both been postponed until October. I'm sorry, the show on the 13th, and there was another show that was postponed. I forget which one, but you and I had tickets for Sunday the 15th, and that show just got flat out canceled. Like, just gone. Yeah. Sorry. You. We understand that you really want to see the show, but no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, that was really cute. I felt like I had woken up from a fuzzy dream. Ooh, yeah, um, a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Uh, and I I mean, thank, the, the fortunate thing is we live in New York City, so we didn't have to worry about travel plans or taking off of work or whatnot. But there was, you know, postponing a show and rescheduling it for, uh, you know, the following month. Uh, there was a lot of people. I heard a lot of feedback from fans, uh, disgruntled fans on comments on various Madonna fan sites and whatnot. There's a lot of people who are unfortunately out a lot of money because they have to, you know, they're losing hotel costs. They're, you know, have air 
fair that they have to transfer and, uh, you know, they can't take off of work and whatnot. So it's a, it's a bit of a kerfuffle. Yes. A lot of hearts were broken. Um, yeah. Like I've heard from a lot of people as well. And, you know, fortunately some of those plans were salvaged, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, cancellations and postponements, you know, they need to take the fans into consideration because this is, you know, you know, everyone has a different story and, uh, I just, the bottom line is I just don't want anyone to miss seeing that. Yeah, I was, I did, that's what I just, I felt bad that there was a bunch of people out there who had their hearts set on scene like opening night or like the second to opening night. And they, you know, I mean, again, you and I are lucky because we were able to just, I literally flew on to Ticketmaster and snatched up a pair of tickets. And it actually worked out in our favor because now we're like fourth row um, on like almost dead center, which I, I'm not too upset about i gotta say i'm not upset about it either but i am also fourth row in the soup line (laughs) (laughs) yes uh yeah in addition to uh us having to buy new tickets we also we did spend a little extra money and yeah i'm madonna has uh She's taken all of my savings account and she's laughing all the way to the Brooklyn Academy of Music. She sure is. But in hindsight, this was the ticket that I had originally budgeted to buy back in June. Correct. When I was unceremoniously told, no thanks, Tony, right. you're not coming. Had, had, <laughs> had my ticket request originally come through the way that I wanted to, this was the yeah. ticket price that I was willing to spend anyway. So, uh, so I guess all worked out okay for us. But I, not our bank account. My yeah, bank account is it's the bank laughs at me now. <laughs> oh, Madonna. But hey, fans, come alive! Madonna is going to be on tour. She's coming. I she, mean, behold, she's coming soon, and very, very soon. She, I, I, again, I feel bad for the people who you know unfortunately are not able to take advantage of the postponed shows or whatnot. I mean, if there's a way that you can make it happen, make it happen. You know, I mean, I was talking to somebody, and I'm like you've already spent the money. Just spend a little bit more at this point instead of just losing a couple thousand. But, you know, uh, it, stuff happens. I understand production delays happen. And again, we didn't get, like, maybe I think th- fans would have been a little bit happier maybe if she had just given us a bit more intel as to what happened, like a bit more of a personal explanation, uh, you know, just to sort of help alleviate people's expectations because I but think no. I, I think it's just some people, you know, they see her Instagram happening, her birthday parties, her, you know, the birthday party for her, the birthday party for her twins. And they think that she's not working, which isn't true. She's working her ass off. You know, she's nonstop. I think since that production delay happened, she was even working Sundays now just to get the show ready and whatnot, because they are running behind. Um, you know, so, Pressure is on Madonna and she knows this and she is working hard to try and bring the best show that it is. But production delays do happen. I've worked in theater. I've worked in film. There are some things that are just out of people's control. It could have been a custom built set piece that she needs to make the show happen. And maybe the lumber yard was out of wood and they couldn't get it to, you know, her on time or this. Uh, you, you don't know what it is. Maybe a button snapped off one Correct. of her costumes exactly. and they need time a, to sew it A back. Savorsky crystal, mm-hmm. you know, as hasn't been shaped properly at the Tiffany factory and maybe it's just being delayed getting to you. You never, a Gucci leather strap. Candles from London. You never know what it could be and all will be revealed very, very soon. But um, yeah, so production delays, unfortunately they do happen. 
I do worry, though, that maybe for the next tour, people are not going to buy the first couple nights of the show because this is now the third tour that's been delayed a couple days. And I mean, I'd be nervous buying opening night now. Well, I'm not buying anything except maybe a program and you know that's oh no 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 no. so can we i mean we haven't even seen what the merch is going to be like but i've seen it like she's wearing a madame x tour jacket Mm -hmm. what looks like a madame x tour jacket in a clip of like an instagram story here or there and i don't know how much money that's going to be but i still resent myself for not buying a blonde ambition tour tour jacket and I don't know how much money that Madame X tour jacket's going to be but I'm plunking down the change Tony it's going to happen I'm not she has gotten the last cent from me I mean like I said I'm going to buy a program but that's it that's well it. I'm done I'm just going to hit the corners a couple nights before bam and turn some tricks and get... actually speaking of merchandise you're wearing a very lovely t-shirt oh uh, thanks for noticing this is my uh, like a prayer long sleeve tea that I ordered in March. And, and you got it. Let's, well, look at, let's look in the happy side. No, let's, it's arrived. let's not because I received an email <laughs> two weeks ago saying this is coming and I literally got it in my hands last Thursday. So I had to wait an extra week and a half wow. while it traveled around Brooklyn on tour. <laughs> yes. You know, went it from was, post was, office to post office. It was office. seeing the sights. Well, but you know what? Life is a mystery, Tony. Everyone must stand alone. And that T-shirt was alone in Brooklyn. It made it through the wilderness. Somehow it made it through. And here it is with you now. And you can enjoy it. You know, let the choir sing. It's also a mystery how Madonna's merch and management team, you know, get it together. So. <laughs> oh, merch. But, you know, like, yeah. We- I, you know what? The merch people, if any merch people are listening to us, we forgive you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'd love to have an open conversation with you to find I, out what yeah. the hell goes on. Exactly. I am heartily sorry for all your sins. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. So, yeah, there's no new developments in Madame X land. So let's start talking about the tours. Yeah, let's. I, yeah. So we just thought, you know, on the on the eve of the Madame X tour coming our way, coming our way, we would look back at the plethora of Madonna tours that she has put out for us. Um, Tony and I have done our homework in the last couple weeks and I've watched is, all the shows. It is an undertaking to look back at. It is a lot. Uh, it is so much fun. I, if you have not seen all of her tours, number one, you should. Um, as a Madonna fan, if you're listening to this podcast, yeah, it's time to cram, guys. Yeah, seriously, just start before you go see Madame X. Just start watching from the Virgin tour on until the Rebel Hard tour. It's a lot of fun. It's a, a little bit of a time commitment, but totally worth your while. Uh, there are some iconic performances. Um, Tony and I are going to sort of like. Because there's so much to cover on this topic, we, I mean, we could probably devote an episode per tour, but we're just going to fly through it, uh, sort of like top line it, sort of say like what resonated with us. Obviously, we have our own personal moments that we've experienced while on tour with Madonna, you know, going to well, see the concerts. Going to see the concerts. I didn't actually go on tour. With I like to say that I'm on tour with Madonna. If I go see her more than once, you know, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I was on tour with Madonna. Um on the Philly, New York City leg. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm an East Coast dancer. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Madonna and Tours, that's our, that's our topic for today, in case you were wondering. Um, and it, I think it all begins with the Virgin Tour. That's right. This was Madonna's first 
full-length tour after doing promotional appearances in the UK and in the United States for, you know, all her singles. And, you know, these were mostly lip syncs. So no one really knew what Madonna was going to be like on stage and oh, what they didn't know, you know. She uh, showed up on stage with um, all of the dancers from Breakin, like Shabadoo and um, I forget the names of the other ones. But, I mean, this was a full-on a full-on rock show. I mean, it was Madonna on stage with her troupe of dancers and a band, and that was it. No other fanfare. Um, Beastie Boys were her opening act, controversially, because they got booed off the stage pretty much every single night. I mean, I just think it's a, a, a great look at how big Madonna was. The Beastie Boys were her opening act. Mm-hmm. Like Madonna's the headliner, and the Beastie Boys are the opening act. Now, Beastie Boys are huge, and they would never open for her, but it's just fun to sort of see. It's also a, a little strange that that's who they chose because Madonna's audience at the time was not the target audience for the Beastie Boys. I think I know. I don't think Madonna wanted anybody that was in her lane to be opening for her. Yeah, no, no, no one's going to shine brighter than her, so which you, is totally fine. Yeah, I totally understand that. So you that. mix it up with a bunch of rude boys and, you know. So watch your watch your watch yeah, your I mean, yeah, it's fine. And all the teen girls loved it. Well, some of them did. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the Virgin Tour happened in April, May, and June in 1985. I was first familiar with this it was coming to Houston, Texas at the Coliseum, which was a place where they did wrestling and roller derby. So it was appropriate for Madonna's first appearance. Mm-hmm. And I was in sixth grade and I wasn't allowed to go. Yeah, Madonna wasn't. This tour I only became aware of after I saw the DVD, or sorry, Laserdisc or whichever it was. I think Betamax. I had the VHS. The, the Betamax version of the version tour. That was my love at first sight moment of Madonna when she came out singing Dress You Up, and uh, it was a love affair that has never ended. Yeah, and Dress You Up was released as a video on MTV. Dress You Up from the Virgin Tour, mind you, was released as a video. So that was playing on MTV that entire summer. It was like boom, boom, and, you know, you knew Dress You Up performed live was going to be on heavy rotation. I mean, it's a great tour to sort of see her energy and her spunk and her fire. She's the, the DVDs. Shot on location. The VHS. Sorry, the VHS. Well, I mean, I guess it, it, the YouTube, if you watch it on YouTube yeah. or wherever you're watching it. Uh, shot on location in uh, Detroit, Michigan. So she's, you know, sad and happy that she's, you know, made it. And she, here she is performing back in her hometown. And She brought her dad on stage at yeah, the end. It's super sweet. It's just fun to sort of see young Madonna dancing and having a lot of fun and how vibrant and energetic and how, like, the, the fire that's there. You sort of see why she started becoming the huge success that she becomes. Um, she's got some great dance moves. The costumes are fun. You know, it's quintessential 80s Madonna. She's, the colors are vibrant. The, the They're very sexy outfits, very 80s. You know, she's got her 80s hair going. And it's just fun to sort of listen to her. I mean, she's got that super high voice that she had when she first came out, as she refers to it, her Minnie Mouse voice. Yeah. And she's singing a lot of old songs that she doesn't perform now. I mean, she sang Angel on that tour. Well, she didn't have a lot to call for. Right, exactly. She's Mostly she, I mean, she had two albums, her first and uh, Like a Virgin. Those are the two albums that she pulls the set list from. Uh, So if you're looking for a really great classic Madonna tour to go see and hear her old hits, 
go watch that because she's got it. Yeah, for me, a definite highlight is her performance of Like a Virgin, which breaks down Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. So good. It's so good. It's effortless. And it just goes to show you that Madonna can toe the line with Michael Jackson, you know, during his peak. Well, that's what I love about it. It's like he was at his peak. Both of them were sort of like these rising stars of the 80s. They were quintessential 80s pop icons. And she effortlessly worked that in there and went toe-to-toe with him. I mean, she sounds so good singing Billie Jean. It's ridiculous. Like, I would have loved to have heard a cover of her singing that. Oh, what was a highlight for you, Stefan? Honestly, it's still, it's always um, Dress You Up. Like, Dress You Up is, to me, the like, that's the power number. She opens with that number. She's just like, and I remember hearing an interview, somebody said they couldn't believe that that was the song she opened with because it was like... Her, it was the big single of hers at the time. And she's like, you know what? You just got to come out of the doors swinging. Yeah, and it sounds great. I mean, that opens side two of the Like a Virgin album, if you listen to it as a record. So for me, it was like, it just opens, you know? It, yeah. it sets the tone and it gets you excited and it gets you ready for what's coming next. On the VHS, uh, a huge bonus for me and all the fans is the pre-taped opening that she did where, you know, she's wearing, you know, she's already changed her look at that point. She has her, uh, Shanghai, her Shanghai surprise, her Shanghai surprise hair. And she does that monologue. That's hilarious. And, um, and it, you know, bookends the, the video. Yeah. It's a, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful tour, uh, first look at a rising icon in the industry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, gotta, I, I, I have a small, that's, I mean, that's my first experience with Madonna. And so I have a, little place in my heart for the version tour. So two years later, a whole new Madonna. She's married. She's a movie star. She has the number one album in the universe. And it's time for the Who's That Girl World Tour. Right. And this, um, so the Who's That Girl World Tour was the second highest grossing tour of 1987, unbelievably behind Tina Turner. So it just goes to show you where the scale of pop was that Madonna was the second place person, Tina Turner, was actually above that. But Yeah, this was a world tour. Madonna was doing arenas, especially in Europe and Asia. She was like in their hugest, you know, biggest venues. Um, I saw her, I saw this show in Houston. And when I look back, I, I get a little sad because I wasn't too invested into this. Um, it was in the middle of the summer. I went with a bunch of girls. Um, I guess I was trying to butch it up. Um, <laughs> it was at the Astrodome. We had you know, decent nosebleed seats. Uh, She was literally a little yellow dot, you know, in the distance. Um, I, you know, sang along to all the songs, but I wasn't blown away by it. And I Mm. wasn't, you know. Well, it's tough when you're far, far away. I mean, that was the one thing I, uh, over the course of seeing Madonna on tour multiple times, I have had a range of really crappy seats Mm -hmm. and I've had, um, some of the most amazing seats I've ever had. And there is a huge difference when you're up close because you feel like you're part of the show as opposed to when you're in those bleed seats and I've had plenty of them, you don't feel as invested. I mean, you're still having fun and dancing, but it's, uh, you don't feel her energy quite the same. And uh, you you do feel a bit more isolatory in those type of situations. Yeah. uh, And also in 1987, my life was all about Depeche Mode and Duran Duran. So it was a different time. It was a different time. Yeah. I mean, Who's That Girl tour, you know, it was in support of the True Blue album and the Who's That Girl uh, soundtrack for the movie that she had done. Uh, Obviously she had that short blonde bombshell hair that she had in the movie. And um, 
It's so funny about that haircut because in the first three uh, segments of the tour, it looks amazing. And by the end, it looks like she's been dipped in water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's it's fun to think that like she was coming out with her natural hair and that, you know, like, again, it goes to show the progression of how she's gotten used to touring because over the years, she knows how to adjust her hairstyle based on the different sections that mm-hmm. she does. So that way it starts a certain way and that she can work it so that it seamlessly looks beautiful from section to section to section, even if she's sweating. Exactly. And if any of you have recently watched I'm Going to Tell You a Secret, you will recall that her costume, her her fitter, um, talks about how profusely Madonna sweats during her performances. Well, of course. I mean, she's moving <laughs> around tons. You know, I mean, I, I don't blame her. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Patrick Leonard served as the musical director for both the Virgin tour and the Who's That Girl World tour. I had not known that until I was doing my research and I thought that, oh, that's pretty interesting. Not only did he, I I had just known Patrick Leonard as the person who helped write some of her biggest hits. I did not know he was musical directing tours as well. So I thought that was interesting uh, to find out. I also thought, you know, and just for your Madonna trivia, everyone, uh, the Who's That Girl World tour is also the first appearance of Donna and Nikki, who we will be seeing at the end of this week. More on that later. Yes, more more on that to come. But yeah, I mean, the whole combination of Nikki and Donna and Patrick Leonard and, of course, Madonna. I mean, it's just, it's magic in a bottle. Yeah, it starts to, you sort of start to see the shape of Madonna's iconic performances coming together. You know, she starts to feel things out. She's doing these performances and what's working, what's not working, what does she, what is she going to use a little later in life? And like, that's a, if you start watching her tours from start to finish or out chronologically out of order as well, it doesn't really matter. I skipped around when I was watching them sort of like bopping from first to last to middle to this to that. It's fun to sort of see her progression in terms of how she tours, how the shows are structured, how she the musical arrangements for some of the same songs that keep appearing this night. It's just, it's a fun yeah. little study. This is a huge tour uh, during that summer. That's all anybody could talk about. Um, I think the video for causing a commotion was a mm-hmm. live track from, mm-hmm. from the Ciao Italia recording. Uh, it was also um, on HBO. Uh, yeah. And it's fun to sort of listen to Madonna. It's, you know, again, it's eighties Madonna. She's got that raw, unprofessionally trained voice. She hadn't yet tried, you know, seeing a professional voice coach because this was obviously a few years before Dick Tracy Mm -hmm. and definitely a few years before Evita was even in her purview. So she's still singing a bit untrained. I mean, to me, hearing the Madonna in 1987, that's what I used to define as that's what Madonna sounds like. But um, it's so it's it's there's a yearning, there's an there's a rawness, there's an emotion there, which is really great to hear. And I love hearing it. But you can see why and we'll get to Blonde Ambition in just a second, why she started having throat issues while on tour with Blonde Ambition because she wasn't singing the proper way. She was screaming. Yeah, she just, it was, it was, she was wrecking her vocal cords and that's, so she learned a lesson. But, um, Uh, you know, Madonna wasn't concentrating on her vocal training for the show because she was trying to master the art of dancing on a conveyor belt. Yeah. Well, and I had read also that for Who's That Girl because she had wanted to make it something that people had never seen. She wanted to make it a spectacle that she started training with a personal trainer. So this sort of also then starts her fitness yeah. journey, which is, again, something that sort of 
expand over the course of her last three decades, her investment in fitness and her investment in health. She started running. She started doing aerobics. She started doing weight training. She was, you know, biking. Like her trainer had her working her ass off. And if you look at her body, it is toned and fucking fit. Yeah. Uh, The only thing... The only the only thing that I didn't really enjoy about the show after watching it for so many years on repeat, um, the Chow Italia VHS, I just wasn't into the costumes. Mm. Well, so in in the uh, in the show, uh, and again, this was something that was like a refresher for me. I had sort of forgotten. Uh, she comes out in the open your heart outfit with the, the little pointy cone yeah. bustier, uh, and then and again, I also thought open your heart was this interesting opener. It didn't sort of when you dress you up, I thought it was a sort of epic opening for Virgin Tour. Open Your Heart didn't quite have the same weight to me. But again, it was the number one song in that song. Uh, exactly. I mean, I'm holding it up at, to the other shows, you know, like looking at her other openings. I'm like, this one wasn't probably yeah. the best opener that she's had over her tours. But at the same time, in 1987, when she came out doing that tour, I'm sure it was probably amazing. People were probably like, yes, open your heart. The highlight for me, um, which always surprises people, is Lucky Star. I love the way she phrases Lucky Star. It sounds different from the album version. And I also love the, uh, yeah, the, the the music. It just it just sounds different. And I think it might have been like, you know, one of those few times where she was kind of experimenting on, mm. like, you know, rebooting a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I the mean, tour. like you said, with the costumes, I think the... Um, the jacket she wears with that hot pink fringe. And I can. Then no. the, I actually like that jacket. And you then, then there's the, um, the red outfit that she dances around into. I thought that, that to me was the symbol of that tour. You know, like when mm-hmm. I did not like the white sort of like, um, not ballet type of outfit, but I forget. It was like, there was like a white outfit that she wore when she was singing it. Um, that was also, I think, one of the tours where she had like that silly um, material girl number with the horn rim glasses. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> but again, it sort of shows how she started doing irreverent, slightly silly moments on tours even back then. You know, like mm-hmm. I, because again, when you look at all of the different tours that she's doing, there's a bunch of different numbers, like in Drawn World Tour when she does the silly song. No. And, and um, in Blonde Ambition when she's doing a whole bunch of like the Dick Tracy stuff with the, you know, like she does silly moments and she's been doing them since she started. So it's, it's not like it's come out of left field. So I'm curious to see if we will get a silly moment in the Madame X tour. You know, that would be fun for some levity, but I also don't want those silly moments to involve clowns on tricycles. Shh, don't, don't say that, Tony. Don't say that. Um, so our minds were blown by Blonde Ambition in 1990. Yes, I guess so. As what, Madonna said in one of her <laughs> recent songs, gay boys lost their mind. Yeah, which is true. Honestly, Blonde Ambition, uh, 1990, Madonna went on tour in support of the Like a Prayer album and in support of the Dick Tracy soundtrack, I'm Breathless. But not in support of Pepsi. Blonde Ambition was literally the tour that launched Madonna into the stratosphere, in my opinion. And, well, I guess in sort of like pop culture opinions as well. I, I, I'm not the only person. Uh, Rolling Stone called it an elaborately choreographed, sexually provocative extravaganza and proclaimed it the best tour of 1990, which this was my, so this was my first tour I ever went to of anyone and my first Madonna tour. So if you're going to go see, and I'm personally, she sort of 
gave me a gift and also wrecked tours for me forever. Oh yeah, me too. Until I, because I just thought that's how tours were supposed to be. I had no idea until then that people weren't touring in that capacity. So seeing her do that live in person was kind of like, that just set the standard. That's how tours were supposed to be. You know, like, yeah, you're supposed to sing and dance and change outfits and have sets and have hot guys shirtless and wet. You know, like that, that's an ideal tour for me. Yeah, for me, it's always been tours for Madonna and anyone else before Blonde Ambition and after Blonde Ambition. Yeah, it's true. Know? Yeah. I mean, in the 90s, I can't, you know, there was a big span of time when Madonna was not actively touring. So, you know, as a music lover, I would see so many shows and every single one of those shows, I'd be thinking, you know, standing there, why can't this be like Blonde Ambition? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes, she did. She did us a favor and everyone else a disfavor because uh, it's uh, it, it sort of just marked her career. It's, it's a standout concert. I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you've watched some iteration of the tour, whether it be on YouTube, VHS, Laserdisc. HBO special. I mean, I or Truth or Dare, or Truth or Dare, right? Obviously, I mean, it's it was an amazing concert. It had different costume changes. Um, question for you, Tony: mm-hmm. Are you a ponytail Blonde Ambition fan or a curly hair Blonde Ambition fan? I go back and forth because um, you know I was I you know I was so lucky and I will brag about this until the day I die that I got to see the Blonde Ambition tour on its first night in the United States in Houston, Texas. Did she have ponytail? Yes, of course she did. And that was also the night that she spun around like a crazy dervish and uh, injured her forehead with that big cross that she wears during like prayer. Oh, right, right, right. She had a little cut. But you know, the great thing about this is that maybe on Entertainment Tonight or one of, or MTV, actually on MTV, In Bed with Madonna or Breakfast with Madonna, uh, you know, you got to see little clips of the Japanese tour when they, you know, put on the bogue. Yeah. So they put on their bogue outfits and that's their outfit for the night. So when I saw Blonde Ambition on its opening night from the 13th row, yes, I am bragging. Oh, wow. With um, how much, and how much were those tickets? Just for they just were for about forty five dollars each for thirteenth row. Yeah, and I took I took oh my, my all my best girlfriends that we were standing Madonna at the time. You know, Lane and uh, Sean and Brandy and names have been changed to protect the innocent. No, they haven't. These girls are still talking about this show, <laughs> and it was amazing. I mean, we were like in tears. We were laughing. I mean, it was it was a perfect evening. But can you imagine? I Except mean, for techno. Okay, fine. It's I love that Technotronica pump up the jam. Come on, that was they were huge at the time. I mean, it's, well, not on stage. On that no, stage, they, no. were yeah, they were tiny. It was like literally a drum machine, yeah. and that girl was backwards. That yeah, that guy. was again. That was interesting. That it was back then. That's when Madonna still had opening acts. I was. I think that was the last tour she had an opening act. I don't think by the time we we left Blonde Ambition, I think that was the last time she ever had like a physical group doing an opening act. For yeah, her. I mean, obviously. Amy, no. Schum- Amy Schumer opened for her. For she had a uh, Maverick recording artist UNV open the girly show. Oh, I don't. I don't remember that. <laughs> I do. Um, but yeah, Blind Ambition obviously set the standard for uh, the you know modern pop odyssey. Uh, yeah, it's the industry standard. Now. Yeah, it's um, again. Nikki and Donna joined her on stage. This was sort of like it solidified the three of them as like the little trio, the entourage. Yeah, and wouldn't you say that for the first time 
um, outside of a girl group, of course, this is the first time that backup singers became part of the narrative. It became part of the show. Um, she needed them as much as they needed her. Yeah, and I thought it was a great addition to her on stage. You know, although she is the driving force behind her own career, it was still sort of fun to see her be part of a group. You know, it's the closest you're ever going to get to, like, obviously Beyonce came from Destiny's Child. Um, Madonna didn't sort of come from a girl group, but this was the closest you're going to get to that. You know, Madonna... Nikki and Donna sort of on stage in Blonde Ambition. And again, in some other shows after and other performances after that as well, but Blonde Ambition, the three of them, absolutely. And you can tell how much fun they have singing with each other. It's- well, and they sound great. They, yeah, they definitely, I mean, I always think of like the fun that they have if you watch the HBO special where at the end of causing a commotion when yeah. they're just, and again, another thing is like, sometimes you'll go and you'll see Madonna on concert. You'll be like, wow, she just curses an awful lot. She was cursing back then. If you watch the HBO special, she is sailor mouth. It is just nonstop, constant. I mean, she's always been like that, and that's one of the reasons I love her, you know, because, you know, on stage, she'll say whatever she needs to say, and she's not censored. It's, it's, it's you know, it's her. Yeah. I mean, we got some huge power numbers during that show. Like, obviously, the opening of Express Yourself is amazing yeah. and perfect because it's just like it was in the video, um, you know, with the with the set behind her. Obviously, the masturbation scene and during Like a Virgin on that red bed. So when I saw that concert in Philadelphia, it was the day of my 15th birthday. And my friend Jennifer and Allison came with me. Jennifer's mom and my mother chaperoned us to go see that show. Oh, I'm so sorry. When the masturbation (laughs) scene came up, my mother took the binoculars away from me. And I was like, Mom, I'll just watch her on the big screen, which is, of course, what I did. My other funny mom moment, and if Mom, if you're listening, I know we laugh about this all the time. There is a moment when she does live to tell and... The you know obviously it's that drawn out slow moment where she's spinning around right before she runs away. Correct. <laughs> and the we were, our seats were so high up, the bass travels really high up in those type of auditorium stadium seatings mm-hmm. or whatnot. It was so it was vibrating through our chests. My mom was freaking out. She's like, Stefan, how long is this going on for? I'm gonna have a heart attack. I'm gonna and I was like, Mom, I don't know how long it's going on for. It just it'll end when it ends. And it did. Was this at the spectrum in Yes, exactly the spectrum in Philadelphia? Uh but yeah, so whenever I hear live to tell and that moment comes on, I think of my mom thinking she's having a heart attack at the Blind Admission Tour. Also, this is the first time that Madonna had seriously sophisticated choreography. And watch that show. She is dancing mm-hmm. her ass off. Like sometimes I have to wonder if the video is being sped up because she's moving so fast. No, no, no. And also, you know, her the, her synchronicity with the dancers. I mean, this was a really good troupe, for lack of a better word. Vincent Patterson was the choreographer, and you know, this was during the time when Madonna said, "If Michael Jackson has the best talent working for him, then I'm going to hire those people to work for me." Vince Patterson is the one who introduced the crotch grab. Mm, and it became a staple of her, obviously, made famous in the Express Yourself video, but she definitely grabbed it an awful lot during that tour. Yeah, it's like, um, Madonna, let's keep our hands off of our privates. <laughs> uh, I mean, we obviously, the, again, this was also the start of Madonna using Jean-Paul Gaultier, who iconic costumes for that, you know, I mean, the beautiful costumes. And I'm sure she and him came up with that 
ponytail, which I personally didn't really care for the ponytail, but it became such a look mm-hmm. for that show. And you people know, are still doing it. Still doing it to yeah. this day, Ariana Grande. Oops. Um, no, yeah, I remember um, a month before the tour opened in Houston, Harper's Bazaar had this, um, you know, she she was on the cover. It's a beautiful spread. Beautiful spread. Um, the photos are amazing. And it was basically a preview of the costumes mm-hmm. for the show with her hair natural and short. Slicked back. and Beautiful. She, she just looked like somebody had splashed some water on her and, while she was wearing the costumes. Yeah. So I'm looking at these costumes and I'm thinking, I'm going to see this on stage. Like, I, you know, before that, it was, you know, people doing rock shows and they would wear like a t-shirt or something. Right, whatever, they, whatever was on the floor when they woke up from their hangover. Exactly. So I was like... Am I going to go see a show where Madonna performs different songs to different costumes? I, I I couldn't imagine it. Yeah, it was it was such. I would just and again, this was the first tour we get Vogue on. Vogue was on the radio every hour on the hour yeah. in Philadelphia leading up to the show, and, and it was a full year since the release of Like a Prayer. So those songs had marinated in your head. Yeah, it's, exactly. It was just such a big gift, and I just but I remember. Specifically for me, going into the Philadelphia show, that was the time that she started having the vocal problems that you see her talk about in the Truth or Dare show, Truth or Dare, the documentary. And she had canceled the night before the show we were going to because she had to, her doctor put her on vocal rest. And mm-hmm. we were driving to the stadium with the radio station being like, well, the show's still on as far as we know. No word off cancellation. Literally, we were just on the edge of our seats wondering, is she going to go? And she did, thankfully. But uh, yeah, that's, as you can see in the Truth or Dare documentary, that's sort of like the vocal rest issues that she was having. What are your highlights? I mean, I, I, I was trying to think of like, what's my favorite part of the show. I think all of it is my favorite. I even like the Dick Tracy stuff. I even like the, the campy Cherish and Material Girl that goes into the groove. But for me, the one that I can't ever forget and I love to death is the Keep It Together finale. It's, mm-hmm. it, it uses the same instrumentation from the remix that I love. It is a curious mix of cabaret and clockwork orange. And it is one of the most original things Madonna's ever done. Well, the chairs yeah. and that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such an iconic stage routine for her everything has sort of disappeared from the stage and still love those costumes yeah i mean i love the the rendition of holiday that she does with the bus stop and she has those polka dots on and it's just look it looks amazing i mean obviously vogue was a highlight for me i love actually and then another one of my favorite moments is um during the whole religious segment where she's doing oh father and like a prayer and live to tell she breaks out a full-on rendition of papa don't preach and the choreography on papa don't preach is fantastic. Also the music for Papa Yeah, it just, it just sounds good. There's the, the musical arrangements that they do for some of the numbers. And interestingly enough, when you listen to that, it sounds so earthy and real because they're playing those songs with live instruments. That mm-hmm. was before concerts started using like pre-recorded electronic yeah. DJ'd versions of the, of the musical arrangements. Those are all being played by people... On drums, on guitars, on keyboards, on like little bongos. I mean, that's they. She had a band, and funnily enough, and again, this was something I read when I was researching. Patrick Leonard was asked back to do the musical direction for the concert, and he said no because her original sketches had the band underneath the stage in a pit, and he refused to do musical direction at the band. And then 
Funnily enough, he said no, and the band ended up on the stage after all. Well, it was his loss. He didn't get to work with John Draper. <laughs> yes. Another, or, or, another big standout is the one-two punch of causing a commotion and... Where's the party? Say that again, Tony, yeah. and you can edit that. Another standout was the one-two punch of causing a commotion and where's the party. Oh, my God. So good. And if any of you in, you know, aspiring clothing designers out there want to design a similar-looking hoodie for me, it would be amazing. I love the style of that hoodie. Yeah. Honestly, like, I mean, if there was another item that they would have put on sale, it would have I've been I've been that. looking for something like that my that. whole like, life. I, seriously, it's so good. Just the colors and the... Yeah, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So... On to our next concert tour would be the Girly Show. And this is, as I like to say, Madonna's Fall from Innocence. Yes. So, and again, back then, this is when you were getting Madonna tours on a consistent basis. It's, it, was, it is not like the Madonna of today where you have to wait a good chunk of time. Like, we were getting Madonna tours every two years. But I was surprised that this tour happened. And when it did happen, it happened in a completely different way. But... Also because during Blonde Ambition, she said in interviews, and also you can hear it in Truth or Dare, that she was never going to tour again. Right. And then when she launched the girly show, she said, if you ever hear me say I'm never going to go on tour again, don't believe me. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes about the backlash from erotica, sex, slash body of evidence. So Madonna decided to say fuck you to America, and she went all over the world um, she even went to Australia for the first time. She went to Jerusalem. She went to Turkey. She went to Puerto Rico, among other far-flung locales. But in the United States, she went to Philadelphia, New York City, Detroit. Goodbye. Yeah, there was like five dates. That was it. She did five dates in the nor- in nor- North America because North America had basically turned their back on Madonna. Yeah, well, radio, I mean, radio refused to play her. MTV refused to play her. I had not turned my back on Madonna, but I was in Portland, Oregon in school, and I tried, but I just couldn't make it to Philadelphia. We, so I was a freshman in college at the time, and my friend Jody and I, we decided to take a trip, and we had not been able to get tickets online. Well, there was, there was no online. We had not been able to you get- You had to wait in yeah, line. you had to wait physically in line for tickets. We were in college. We couldn't do it. So- I, her and I hopped on a train, went into Madison Square Garden. We were going to buy tickets, see if there were tickets available at the box office venue because sometimes they hold tickets or people don't show up and they sell tickets at the very last minute. I don't like where this is going. Yeah. Um, We were intercepted by a scalper on our way to the box office. Now, in Philadelphia, prior to that, I had had great success getting tickets from scalpers with no issue. I'd seen Janet Jackson, 14th Row Center, to see the Rhythm Nation tour. I'd seen Paula Abdul, yes, Paula Abdul. Forever your girl. She was very hot at the time. I had seen, like, multiple uh, tours I had seen with scalped tickets. Gloria Estefan, Miami Sound Machine for Coming Out of the Dark tour. It was very good. That was historic. Um, So when the scalper came up to us and approached us and said, hey, have tickets, have tickets, 80 bucks, 80 bucks. Now, back then, 80 bucks was a lot of money, and we were poor freshmen in college, and we had $60 to spend. And we're like, no, 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 sorry, sir. That's how much, how much, how much you got? We got 60 bucks each, 60 bucks each. So he's like, sure, sure, sure. We get in line. We're in the venue. We're getting into the venue. We're about to go through the guardrails. And the guy takes my ticket. And he's like, um, I'm sorry, sir, but this ticket is fake. And no. I'm like, what? And me and my friend look at each other. Our hearts are breaking as it's happening. 
we have to, he, the guy was like, see that group of people over there, go over and visit them. So we go over the group of people. I mean, there's like 20 people in this circle. And the guy from Madison Square Garden is telling people, yeah, unfortunately, these are all fake tickets. The guy, the scalper guy, had literally printed the same exact ticket seats. We were all supposed to be sitting in the same seats. Um, We felt good because we'd only spent 60 bucks and other people had spent like 150 bucks for fake tickets. Now, again, 1993, 150 bucks was astronomical. That was $15,000. Yeah, it was like astronomical for ticket prices at that at that point. I mean, we felt ridiculous paying 60 bucks, but so we didn't get to see the show because and I didn't even bother trying to see if there were tickets available because we'd already spent so much money at that point. So I limped up to a merchandise stand, got myself a program and t-shirt, and we went back to our dorm rooms and cried and listened to Madonna albums the rest of the night. Oh, well, at least you got that close. I had to wait until the last, I remember it was the last week of November. Uh, I think it was the Friday after Thanksgiving and my friend Alexia said, you need to come over. We're going to watch Madonna's girly show tour. Oh, on HBO. Yeah. I was home for the holidays and uh, we watched it and I was crying because I would have really, really loved to have seen that live. Yeah, it was... I felt like it was the next... It was next-level Blonde Ambition. Yeah, I um, and I rewatched it in advance of this episode and was, again, looking at it like, wow, there's just some really, really great numbers in this. Like, So go back, watch it. I mean, it's online. You can find it anywhere or whatnot. Uh, uh, direction um, and stage design by her brother, Christopher, which is great that she was giving him a chance to sort of like work with her on that. Um, she sort of like took it up a notch, like you said, Tony, you know, like Nikki and Donna are back with her. She's doing numbers, really redesigned songscapes on some of them, like the Bollywood Vogue, which oh, is sort so of like good. so good. I mean, the fact that she comes out again, it's like an F you to everybody. She opens the show with erotica. She opens the show with erotica, but before she comes out on stage, we get oh, Carrie Ann yes. and Naba coming down the... Um, there's like a the pole. stripper pole yeah, the that stripper goes pole. from the top of the, the I mean, stage to the bottom. High up. And that was really hot. And I remember reading an interview from the time where Madonna said that she saw a girl at a strip club in Miami doing the same thing. And she said, that's going to be in my show. Yeah. And God bless Carrie Ann Anaba. I mean, I, I had no idea watching her on Dancing with the Stars that it was the same girl because obviously on Girly Show, she, her head's shaved and uh-huh. she's so young. And um, interestingly enough, Karen Anaba was mostly shirtless during that time. So she's flashing her tits all through the show. But on certain numbers, they forced her to put on like a little like tank top bra mm-hmm. because they didn't want nipple exposed. Right. Carrie's not very shy because a couple of years later, she would also end up in Showgirls as one of the dancers in the Goddess Review. Oh, good for she's her. She's very talented. She, well, hey, she's great. I love Karen Anaba. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, there are some amazing numbers. I mean, like obviously Erotica, Vogue, the fever, fever. That whole opening is just super, super great. I love the vocals on Rain. That is probably one of the best live performances in Madonna's touring career. She sounds so, and I just love how simple it is. It's just the three of them sitting around singing this little kumbaya moment. And they're so happy about it. Yeah, and they sound great. Um, I'm, again, looking forward to seeing Nikki and Donna sing that live uh, for the first time yeah. since, since the girly show. So after they finish singing and they go off stage to, uh, you know, talk about how great they were and change clothes, 
you know, there's this whole drawn out musical number with that damn clown, which we'll get into in a minute. Yes. Um, you know, and it's singing in the rain slash rain. And I'm sure you know this, that uh, Madonna consulted with Gene Kelly on some of the notes for oh, yeah, the choreography yeah. for that. And that was, you know, one of the last things that happened before he died, which I'm glad that, you know, she got to kind of, um, you know, meet with a legend and mm-hmm. um, it added to the authenticity that this show had because I feel like this was so original. Um, one of the things that stands out for me is the Justify My Love oh, performance, so which at the time, good. a lot of people were very confused about because it didn't sound like the Justify My Love. Right, they use a remix version She uses of the it. remix, uh, but also, you know, it was Madonna and the sexy vampires. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, oh, totally. it was riffing off interview with the vampire. Um, I'm thinking more literary, literary uh, illusion rather than the film. But, you know, it was... Um, right, right. Her wearing that top hat, that big bustier yeah. type of, like, and the little monocles that she had on. And, the, like, the the costumes alone for that are phenomenal. The yeah. staging that they use when they bring that big sheet over, like, that sort of, like, sheer sheet over the huge crowd. Uh-huh. Her with the gloves and just the persona that she sort of takes on during that is so... And that was an encore. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's I, so fun to watch. You know, um, I'm a big fan of Madonna's, you know, Latin obsession. And this was the first time that she went balls out with her Latin obsession. Right. You, I mean, and during that whole section with La Isla Bonita. And I'm Bye going Bye bananas. Baby. Yeah, I'm going bananas. Bye Bye Baby. Um, I mean, she also did that whole disco section with Express Yourself. That was and transcendent. Deeper and, deeper, and yeah. deeper where she descends from a disco ball wearing that huge blonde Afro wig. And um and then that also goes into why is it so hard? And right before she sings in this life, she has this really amazing speech where right. she talks about AIDS and AIDS awareness. And think about this: this is 1993, and she is a huge pop star. And she, and she stops the show. Stops cold. the show and starts talking about AIDS and AIDS awareness. And you know she's putting herself on the line because back in 1993. People were still getting fired for being gay and it was not out, you know, it was just not out in the public conscious that it like it is today. I mean, you weren't seeing shows on, I mean, Melrose Place wouldn't even show a gay kiss on a television show. You know, I mean, it was just, there was no Will and Grace. There was no L word. There was no, there was nothing on television. There was a lot of homophobia and AIDS phobia at the time. And as much as you tried to celebrate, you know, gay pride, you got thrown back. Yeah, so it's just it's it's just just such a great moment that she chose to highlight. She's been fighting the cause for AIDS for many many years. It's great to see that that she took that time to do that on her tour. I think also then probably like one of my favorite moments, and I've had the song in my head. I've been listening to it nonstop. Is her rendition of "Holiday" that she does with the whole military yeah. jackets and I love that. just the bass line and the way that Nikki and Donna sort of echo her with it. Like, look it up, listen to that. Right now, do yourself a favor. It's so good. And again, it's one of my favorite things about Madonna as a performer that over the years, she keeps reinventing the songs, the musical arrangement, and switching it up, making it. So it's like there's different versions of Holiday that you get throughout her entire touring career. Mm -hmm. It's like, and it's tough to pick which one's favorite because that's why that song never gets old. They're all different in a different way. Of course. And they're just amazing how they like, how they 
bring different elements in, but it still keeps the basis of the song the same. It's just, it's fun to sort of listen to all the different iterations and see the different choreography yeah. and where she's at with it. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's great. So the Girly Show had a very successful video release and then also to fulfill part of her publishing contract with Warner Books, she released a hardcover coffee table book based on the tour program, which is actually really cool. Do you have that? I have it. I do. It's right over there. Oh, yeah, there it is. And I even have the CD that came in, which was, I thought, at the time, a very missed opportunity because they Correct. only had like three tracks yeah. on it and they weren't even the they good ones. They weren't tracks. even the good ones. Right. Yeah. Why didn't we get Express Yourself or Holiday or, or Vogue? Vogue. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like, I think we got In This Life, which, okay, fine. Um, but what what was the other one? Why is it so hard? I think we No, got... Why is it so hard? It showed up on the All Remember uh, oh, right, CD right, right. single. I don't really remember. I think, oh, Like a Virgin, that not very oh, oh, yeah. danceable version of yeah, Like yeah, a Virgin. That, yeah, yeah, the, the German super slow version. Yeah. Again, like I said, I like that she reinterprets songs and this and that. That to me was probably the only time I did not like a version of Like a Virgin. I saw what she was doing. She was aping um, Merlena Dietrich, you know, and that was great. But I think uh, that's when people went to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that was a refill of drink. Um, so the next tour was like 25 years later. Yeah. So after a decade <laughs> away from touring, literally a decade away from touring, Madonna returned with a tour de force. This tour is probably one of my favorite all-time Madonna tours. It came to us in 2001. Yes. Uh, and it is dark, dark, dark. Yeah. She hadn't toured for Bedtime Stories or Ray of Light. Um, and the music album came out. And so she had this plethora of material to use. Um, Jamie King steps in as stage director. Uh, there was a bunch of costume directors that we had. Uh, there was Jean-Paul Gaultier, D-Squared, Dolce & Gabbana, Versace, Catherine Maladrino. You know, just tiny little people doing, throwing some outfits together for her, you know, like, but. Are you the, sure she didn't get these off the rack? Yeah. Um, I love the co- the costumes that she uses. Um, Where am I going to get a kimono with that kind of wingspan? Right. Hello, John Paul Gaultier. Uh, but yeah, the theatricality, the drama, the sets, the costumes, setless. To me, everything works really, really mm-hmm. great with this. And maybe it was also because I was 15th row center to go see the show wow. in Philadelphia. And I just was like through the moon about this. I remember um, Entertainment Weekly had put her on the cover as she was coming to America because she had I been that. in Europe prior to coming to America with the tour. And Philadelphia was the opening night of the U.S. leg of the tour. Amazing. Isn't it great to see it? It's fun to sort of see yeah. it. Like, I mean, we had heard rumblings, and again, Entertainment Weekly had done a little article about the costumes and the tour and this and that. So I, and this was the very first show that, so I'd seen Blonde Ambition, didn't get to see Girly Show. So this is my first show since seeing her the first time. And I was like, well, I'm dressing up. I'm, I'm, I'm dressing up. And so I put together a whole little uh, Drown World Tour outfit. I went to like a thrift shop and found like, some stupid old like kilt uniform type of thing and uh, like sewed it together. Basically the outfit that she comes out to in Drown World Tour, mm-hmm. um, that kilt and like sort of distressed black punk look or whatnot, that was the outfit that I put together. I'll, I'll post it on Instagram. And she had been wearing a red kilt when she was in Europe. Right. And when she came to Philadelphia, she had changed it. And I was wearing a red kilt and at the end of the show, some gay boy was walking by me and looked me up and down. I was like, she changed it on you, didn't she? I was Ah. like, yes, she did. Thanks a lot. Uh, 
But yeah, that was, but Drown World Tour to me, I mean, some people didn't like it. I loved that I love. I still love it. I still, it's one of my top three. And another thing she changed on us was how she opened the show. She opens with Drowned World Substitute for Love, which is, you know, a slow song. First time she's ever done that, which I was like, what? Is she? And I loved how, I loved it. How simple the opening is where she's just like, coming out on this smoky platform, just like, it's such a slow, like you can, if you watch the show, you can see the wave of crowd start to see her as she's appearing. Because it's like Madonna's return to the stage. Yeah, and it was just, it's super classy. And it was I've been, triumphant. And then again, launches into um, Impressive Instant. To me, that is one of the most powerful numbers of that show. It's mm-hmm. just such great energy, all the smoke and all the weirdness and just the the dancers wearing those like goggles with the lights on them and uh, the choreography. I mean, Jewel Weber, her backup dancer, I was obsessed with him from the Don't Tell Me video. And then he was on tour shirtless basically the entire time with like a, a big, like, what is it called? Oh, like a mohawk. A mohawk, yeah, thank you. They okay, all so have them. Yeah, yeah. I just loved the punk feel for that show. And um, I mean, again, some of the other power numbers, Frozen, when she rises up and has that huge wingspan, like you were saying. And yeah. nobody knew that they were going to rip those off. And th- then she goes into like this remix version of Frozen with all these like karate chops and sounds. And the choreography on that is just amazing and wonderful. And I, um, I'd love that she also, I mean, Sky Fits Heaven, she flies. You know, like, that was amazing to see live. It was so much fun. The crowd was losing their shit. You know, when another part of the show when the crowd was losing their shit was when there was that interlude where we got to watch anime porn. I remember, <laughs> yeah. The crowd did not know what to do with that moment. It I was, didn't either. We we were sort of like, what is what are we watching right now? So yeah, Madonna was showing a clip from the uh controversial 90s anime film called Perfect Blue. And um yeah, it's it I can't explain it. It's it's actually really violent and yeah. and it is pornographic. Yeah, it is not <laughs> child-friendly at all. But uh good for her for putting it out there. I, uh, yeah, it was it was a weird tour in that the it sort of shifted and changed throughout. You know, like it starts off serious, it gets kind of weird, it gets kind of, then she's silly with a silly song and yeah, it ends on a light note. Love. I mean, so you have her doing holiday with a bit of music sounds better with you, which is perfect. You know, her and Nikki and Donna. The moment when they do the little handkerchief yes. portion of it. I mean. How much time did it take them to practice how to do that without dropping the handkerchief? Also, this is my favorite version of Holiday performed on tour. Um, go back and listen to it and pay special attention to what Nikki and Donna are calling her back with because it's, it's so, so good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think there's been one tour that she hasn't done Holiday on since she's been doing Holiday. She should do Holiday on every tour. Like, yeah. it just it should just be a, a constant. But yeah, it was... Uh, it's And, and then... She closes with music. That's the, the end song. 15, 16 deep knee squats, I think it was. And I always remember uh, Nikki Harris saying she just prayed that <laughs> she could get through them every single night. Like every single time she knew they were coming up, she just prayed to heaven that she could just keep doing them. And that actually was the introduction of the deep knee squat. Madonna has continued to do them on every single yeah. tour since. I am praying she 
repeats herself and does them again in the Madame X tour somewhere at some point? Um, you can perhaps put, you can put it inside. <laughs> this also had a very successful um, premiere on HBO and also followed by a uh, DVD release that like I think everyone I know had like multiple copies of it because it was it was great. It's just yeah, it's they I, well they recorded that show really really good. Oh yeah, I love that the the thing that sort of was different about watching that tour versus some of the previous tours that we've gotten recently is you are allowed to watch her perform. Yeah, the camera sort of stays on her for a little longer, so you can actually see what she's doing. It's not quick cuts. There's no wipes or fades or sped up motion mm-hmm. or slowed down motion. You just see her performing. And it's uh, it it stays true to the show. You, you're not getting really any audience cutaways, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just focused on her and what they're doing, and it's it's a it's a really great show. Remember the ad campaign for the HBO uh, televised concert, and I it was my first year in New York, and it was that photo of her with the uh, the white fishnet glove, you know, going oh, yes, and the yes, blonde yes. hair. It was everywhere it was in every subway station it was on billboards it, it was so exciting everywhere i looked around i'm like i'm in new york and madonna's on billboards and i'm gonna go see her on stage it's like you know a moment in time my standout from this show is lo que siente la mujer oh, the spanish version of uh what it feels like for a girl and she's wearing this amazing uh goatee outfit they do this tango with like four guys yeah. she's doing the tango it's amazing the choreography uh, they're on this um what i call a lazy susan but you know they're on this platform yeah, yeah. that revolves and it, it's <laughs> i don't know it was just i didn't expect that and it was beautiful it's also uh, you know leads into another one of her very famous latin interludes uh, they do a really good La Isla Bonita. I remember yeah, his, his tapping on yeah, that is insane. The video backdrop with like, you know, the the palm trees and the hurricane. It was just, I don't know, just an iconic Madonna moment. Yeah. Three years later, Madonna goes back on tour. Uh, for me, this was a bit of a surprise. I don't know if this was an expected tour or whatnot because it didn't come hot on the heels of American life. Right. And also it was billed as a greatest hits tour. Right. Which to me, I was like, oh, okay, sure. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, in 2004, Madonna comes out and it, again, this was sort of like the internet was around, but it wasn't as pl- prolific as it is today. So we literally got the announcement via Madonna on the floor in her very best dangerous liaisons outfit of this like, queen sort of bouffant and this weird room and that was how we found out about the reinvention tour that's and the shirt i got yeah it's, it's i love that it's a, such a, an amazing iconic photo of hers um but yeah it was it was weird that she went on tour with a greatest hits album in support of american life well you know what i think this was supposed to be the box set tour ah. and the box set didn't happen still waiting on it madonna it's coming don't worry but yeah I mean, I, I again, I went back and watched uh, Reinvention Tour and f- had forgotten how fucking amazing this show is. I mean, there are so many really great Madonna performances that are happening throughout this. I mean, the opening alone. Yeah, Madonna doing yoga. Like, the handstand where she separates her feet and has that, like, sharp angled look. I'm like, okay, fine. 
That's impressive to do just in general to me. But this bitch is doing it every night. Every night on a platform high up in the air on cue. You know, like, it's amazing. And then the choreography and the costuming on Vogue, is it's beautiful and wonderful. I like that they sort of twisted. It was like a twisted version of what she did at the VMAs. Oh, yeah. You know, like, it was sort of like that type of look and feel, but, like, different and weird. And, um, I mean, she did those upside down walking handstands like she's walking down the it's just how is she doing this um and then the one two punch you know she opens with vogue and goes into the 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 number that has forever changed airports for me uh nobody knows me yeah you know if you're in an airport yes. you're going international and you have those walkways every single time i'm on one of those walkways i queue up nobody knows me and just pretend i'm in the reinvention door well you know this is madonna's uh you know, return to the conveyor belt. And it was her triumphant return because this Nobody Knows Me is one of, you know, one of her standout live performances. Ever. Ever. Of any show she's ever done or any performance she's ever done, Nobody Knows Me. And it's Madonna on stage by By herself herself. and doing exactly what she's got to do, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, if you watch a regular version of that, it's a great performance. Mm-hmm. Jonas Ockerland then elevates that yes. for the concert footage. I mean, he makes that number, and I'm going to tell you a secret, look even more iconic than it actually is. It's uh, it's phenomenal. Both, And I like the live version of that song. Like, sometimes I'll flip back and forth. Like, the album version of that song is great, but then the, the live version just adds some sort of weird oomph to it. It's just, it's... Super, super great. Um, again, the costumes, the choreography, the staging, everything about that show is just like super, super great. I mean, the, I thought one of the like, cool little things that she had for that show was that catwalk that lowered down from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember we walked in, and there was like portions of the floor marked off and we didn't quite know what that was for. And then, you know, half an hour into the show, it's being lowered down and she's hovering right above us on the floor and we're like freaking out. Yeah, I remember seeing that show at two different venues. I saw it at Madison Square Garden and then I saw it again at the Meadowlands and when you walk in, when the lights are all on, it looked like a construction site. Mm -hmm. And little did we know that she would be walking above us and there would be confetti in every place. I mean, it was just everywhere. It was full. It It was really cool, you know, and the flags and... I don't know. It was it was a very celebratory tour. Um, the arrangements for the, all the songs were really interesting and very unique. Um, yeah, I mean, we got some really great versions of songs in that. Like, don't tell me. She sort of brought that back with the same type of choreography that she did for Drown World Tour, but she made it a little different and she mixed Bittersweet Symphony into it, yeah. which is a really interesting choice. I mean, we got again. Papa Don't Preach, again, another stellar version of that song where she's like spinning around with the girls on stage, like spinning, spinning, spinning to the point where I'm like, I would have had to like lay down and center myself for a second because I would have been too dizzy. Yeah. And, you know, for for years, Madonna fans have clamored for her to do a mashup of Susan McLeod, you know, the Scottish bagpipe hit with Into the Groove. And in this tour, they got it. There it was with full-on bagpipes and a hugely long kilt. And, you know, she was wearing her T-shirt, Kabbalists do it better. And uh, again, she was doing some tango dancing and Die Another Day. And 
there was just some other, I'm like, I'm obviously you could just rattle them off, you know, like express yeah. yourself was great. Die another day. I thought was great. Obviously, she brought back deeper and deeper, which was a huge surprise. That was slow though. That but was, it was still actually, there. That was my one disappointment moment of that tour was I was so excited when I read that she was doing deeper and deeper and then it wasn't a dance verse. And I was like, Oh, I like it in any iteration. I also <laughs> like it that hanky panky made it in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just looked like on that tour that she was having a lot of fun. You know, like she's smiling a lot. It right. looks like she's really enjoying performing on that tour. I think it was a good time for her. If you watch the tour documentary, I'm going to tell you a secret, which was shot for this tour. She had her kids on tour with her. Guy Ritchie was with her too. So, I mean, it's like, you know, all the boxes were ticked. Madonna was happy and she was doing all her music and she was playing guitar on stage for the Mm -hmm. first time since her early days. So, I mean, this was like full circle moment for her. Yeah, I mean, her live vocals sound amazing on this. She looks crazy for you. Crazy for you. I remember when she did that, I turned to my friend Jennifer and I'm like, I cannot believe She's singing this song, like, and she, in the show, you know, she says she's doing it for her fans because who've stuck with her through all these years, which is yeah. really great. I mean, the the little sad moment is this is our first tour without Nikki Harris since Nikki has started going on tour with her. Um, so you do sort of feel that loss of, like, she does involve Donna and the other backup singer with her a little bit, but it's just but the not, chemistry's not there. Exactly. it's You can tell it's a little bit different. Um, I also thought the one staging Thing that did not work for me was the fan pits on either side of the stage. It sort of like you were watching them a little bit more than you'd want to, like when Madonna was near them, because you're like, is she going to talk to them? Are they going to grab her? Um, I could have done without having the fans there on stage, but I mean, I'm sure those fans were flipping out that they were that close. I mean, they were in the show. Yeah. Which was, which was great. And I love that sort of like at the end, um, and again, she has Holiday, and that version of Holiday, there's this urgency to it. And it wasn't until I was doing research for this that, and I had, I guess I just had really good speakers on when I was listening to it, the headphones. There's elements of physical attraction yeah, that she I, has I, on that. And I had never heard that before. And I was like, oh my God, is that physical attraction? I remember when that, when I first heard that, and I thought I was like, well, you know, if she can throw everybody into express yourself, then why not throw physical attraction? I, I just loved it. I was, I mean, it's it, that is one wish list song. I always wish that she would like break out again, mm-hmm. but who knows? You know, hey. Now, this tour did not have a legitimate uh, DVD release. There is a version that was shot in Portugal that is online that's actually really good. That's the version I watched, and I love that, like, at the, Towards the end of Papa Don't Preach, she's like, um, it's about time I came to Portugal. And the crowd is going crazy. And she says, it's a lovely place for me to end my tour, although I'm not happy about ending my tour. Um, and I just thought, my God, that's the first time she's been to Portugal. Little did we know. Well, she lives there now. That she would end up moving there years from there to create the opus known as Madame X. But the, the performances that were captured... By Jonas Ackerlund for I'm going to tell you a secret are expertly photographed. I want I want a whole tour version of his of his. I do too, but you know I think what's stopping us from getting that is the songwriters of Susan McLeod giving up the rights. Damn you, Susan! (laughs) So two short years later, Madonna redeemed herself. Well, at least in the eyes of critics, that said American Life was not a good effort. By taking over the world yet again with Confessions on a Dance Floor and that begot the Confessions Tour. Probably 
the finest moment of Madonna touring yeah. ever. I mean, I think when I look and evaluate her tours based off of like what I find successful, what I don't find successful, the era, the rollout, the the styling, mm-hmm. everything about that era was perfect. And yeah. the tour just dropped and was additional perfection. Yeah, I mean, this show looked expensive. It felt expensive. You felt expensive while you were there. It, well, it was, right. I was going to say, exactly. <laughs> it was probably the most expensive Madonna tickets we had ever spent so far. Um, but you felt it. There was a lot of merch, too. I remember getting the special edition of Confessional on a Dance Floor, which came with a diary for me to put my confessions. Dear Tony. Also, I remember... Love, I love this era. Yeah. I also remember Icon sent me a shirt that said Madonna in the same typography mm. for Confessions. Uh, I remember the Icon issues at the time were like out of control. Yeah, they were just, they were firing all sil- on all cylinders. I still have some Madonna pins with the disco ball. Mm. Oh, me too. Yeah, 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 I have that. Um, but, but yeah, it's great. It's Everything I mean, Everything tied together, that's what I it meant just, to say. All, It was very seamless. It all worked together. Um, even though the album did leak a week prior to it actually being released on some Japanese website, which is where I heard it first. Yeah. And I just remember the first time hearing Get Together, because Hung, Hung Up had been out for uh, like a couple weeks. And yeah. then the album leaked a week before it was supposed to come out. And I remember I was like, I don't need to hear Hung Up. I've already heard it. So I just skipped ahead to Get Together. And when the little beginning rising sounds, the synths of Get Together began... I turned to my coworker, Tiffany, at the time, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the music I've been waiting for her to do all her career. And I think yeah. from that moment on, I was just, like, in love with the era. Yeah, me too. I was like, this is the natural progression. This is where we are, and this is where I've wanted to be for a long time, especially in the 90s when a lot of electronic music was really, you know, taking off. And I Prodigy. Like, yeah, and I – exactly. But at the time, I'm thinking, like, Madonna, drop – Drop the R and B. Let's let's get on that dance yeah, floor. She and she took us because she it, took us there. And she set that tone from the beginning of that show, where a disco ball descends from the ceiling. Now, a lot of people at first thought she was in that disco ball from the ceiling. Unfortunately, and I hate to break this bubble for you, but she was not in the disco ball. She once the disco ball descended and touched down onto the stage. She came up from a hole in the bottom. Yeah. Um, that was her little trick. Uh, but it was cute. It's still a nice little effect. And Future Lovers, that whole opening. The whole first section of that show is equestrian-based. And I love that she sort of, she had recently had, you know, before she had done the Hung Up video, she had taken a fall off of her horse and she had broken her collarbone and some ribs. And so she, I love that she brings that part of real life into the show to the point where like the dancers are horses. She's got that big mane coming out of the top hat. She's doing like the choreography when she steps over towards the end of future lovers and she does the little horse trot down the catwalk to the front. Oh my God. It's brilliant. It's just so fun to sort of, and then like get together um, again, one of my favorite numbers of the show It's just her and two dancers dancing their asses off. And then, Going to Like a Virgin, which she does. It's possibly the best version of Like a Virgin yeah, outside of Blonde Ambition. Yeah, she sounds amazing. And I just remember seeing that show live thinking, and because you don't really appreciate it when you see the, the tour, the recorded version of it. She was so high up 
on a platform. So she's already on a pole, on a saddle, going around in a circle while pole dancing. But the, I mean, it must have been 20 feet up in the air that she was. And I was just thinking, oh my God, what if she falls? She didn't. No, she didn't. Obviously, because she's a pro. But I just remember thinking, my God, she's so high up in the air. But it was great. Yeah, and you know, Madonna continued to surprise and shock audiences. I remember my cousin was li- is living in LA, and that was the first show of this tour, and there was no advance, no notice. You know, it was like Madonna's going on tour, period. And he tickets call- tomorrow. Yeah, and he- I told him, "Call me when you're done with the show. I don't care how late it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna hear it." And he called me, and he's like. This is insane. I mean, the show is amazing. It's Madonna on stage, whatever. But like, people lost their minds. She comes up on a cross, crucified, uh, you know, a cross with disco lights, crucified with a crown of thorns. He goes, Tony, people were leaving en masse. (laughs) I I was like, in LA? And he's like, yeah, people were like, no, she's crossed the line. Yeah, I remember when that happened. My friend Jennifer and I were seeing her in Philadelphia and we sort of just looked at each other. because So we were fifth row. From on that for that show, uh-huh. right near the catwalk, and when that cross com- came up, we just looked at each other. We're like, "Okay, <laughs> all righty then." I don't know what to think about this. I mean, now it, you know, like looking at it, it's you can sort of take it a little yeah differently than how it was, but seeing it was very shocking. It was very shocking, and also because at that time we felt like Madonna had kind of become. Less of a provocateur and more of like a pop culture mainstay. Yeah, I think that's what it was. She hadn't had quite the controversial moments she had had back in like the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, I I think the last thing that she'd done that like made people, you know, wince was uh, kissing Britney on stage. Right. And that, I mean, but that wasn't like religious in tone. So yeah, when that... And that happened, it was kind of like, a, uh, what? What's yeah, in fact, um, I don't know why she made this deal. It must have been very lucrative, but uh, she made a deal with NBC to air this tour uh, the week of Thanksgiving. <laughs> it was the night before Thanksgiving. The night before Thanksgiving, yeah. And um, last minute, because there was a lot of pressure from sponsors and parents groups and what have you, uh, they cut out. The like the live to tell. I'm blanking on that. They did live, but yeah, I'm sure they, they, they cut out. Have. They cut out the live to tell performance, and they also um, used alternate takes for different uh, parts of the show, which was fine. I'd already seen it. I didn't need to see it cut up on NBC for Midwestern audiences to you know be able to digest it. Yeah, but I felt like you know Madonna, you need to go back to HBO because they won't do this to you. Mm-hmm. I mean. Best vocal moment of that entire show. And her vocals are on point yeah. throughout the entire show. But to me, I think you can really appreciate it when she does the like super acoustic version of Drown World Tour. Sorry, of Drown World, Substitute yeah. for Love. Like she sounds beautiful. And it's just, it's a gorgeous rendition of that song. Uh, I, I, I remember thinking, wow, she sounds so good here. And it's because she does. Yeah. And the standouts for me are Music Inferno, which is amazing. And I, you know, I know that you love it as well. Well, and, how can you not? Yeah. I mean, that whole, the, the musical arrangement of that remix of the mashup of her and um, Disco Inferno is perfect. It's, it's it is perfection. absolutely yeah. perfect. And then her choreography, watch, well, go and watch that. It is 
nonstop dancing from her. Yeah. She is out there moving and shaking and dancing her ass off. It's a feat to watch. Yeah, and she loved it so much that she brought back elements of that choreography for the God Control video. Wake up. Yep. And just when you thought you'd seen it all and heard it all, comes a version of erotica that we'd never heard before because it came from the rain tapes. It was uh, the original version of erotica. Well, it was a song called You Thrill Me that became erotica. Right. So when you hear this, your head explodes because you know what it is. You just never heard it before. And I remember when it came, when she started doing it, I was like, what is she doing? Wait, this is erotica? What, what, what? And it was just such a perfect number. Yeah. The, the sound, the musical arrangement of that song sounds great. Her... The dancing was so beautiful. I I love that number wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, just everything about that was perfect. I, it was one of my standouts from that tour, yeah. absolutely. Speaking of perfect, this show got the perfect CD, DVD bundle. It is. It looks beautiful. It sounds great. It looks great. Well, but by only, again, we didn't get a complete audio version of that tour i mean you can piece it together online or whatnot but like they i mean famously left out get together you know half like drown world is not on that there's a bunch of songs that didn't make it on there but what we got was really well done and it was great yeah it sounds great the and again this tour was they the way they recorded the tour for the dvd is so well done jonas ockerland he was the one who um, was he directed the recording of it. It's just so well. It it honors her performance. It honors the numbers. It honors it enhances the, it. Yeah, it's just it's really well done. There's no bells and whistles. It's it's just perfect. I, I wish that Jonas would come back and direct more of her tours. He's doing films now. He's too busy. Yeah. So here's one thing that was missing from the Confessions tour: candy shop. Oh, no, we didn't have Candy Shop yet. <laughs> no, I, that, I'm leaning into Sticky and Sweet. <laughs> so Sticky and Sweet is Madonna's tour that was uh, almost, yeah, a little bit less than two years later. And Sticky and Sweet became a two-part tour for the first time in her career. Yes. Um, Which I thought was strange. I, yeah. I, I was like, huh, that's interesting. But I think it was because they were making, she was making so much money off of the first leg that they were like, Let's keep going. Yeah. We, we, we already have the team put together. Let's just keep it going. But okay. yeah, it started in 2008 and then spilled over. She came back and I believe She took was, like a two-month break and yeah, then went and back. And then came back yeah. in January of, or February of 2009. Now, you know, this is one of those tours that is controversial amongst fans because some people like it, some people don't. I like elements of it. Uh, it wasn't a great experience for me. I saw it in Atlantic City and I didn't like the venue. Oh, well, you were there with all the women at their fanny packs. Yeah, their, I was there with some their, Jer- cheap beer. There were some Jersey girls that said, if, uh, if she doesn't do any of her old songs, we'll leave in. And they left. They left. They left right in the middle of uh, the whole Keith Haring they, uh, they Double Dutch part. Were they in front of you? They were behind me. But I kept <sighs> well, hearing them complain, you know? And yeah, it was. Goodbye, trash. Yeah, goodbye, trash. <laughs> goodbye, you Jersey trash. Um, I love the tour book for this one, though. You know what? Going back. Um, I was not a, a large fan of the Hard Candy album, so my enthusiasm was not very palpable yeah. for the Sticky and Sweet tour. Me too. I only saw this one once. Yeah, I, I only went once. I had um, uh, These were probably the worst seats I've had for a Madonna show since my first Madonna show. So 
super nosebleed. Um, back in my drinking days, I refused to ever drink at a Madonna show because she was my drug of choice. I was not going to be inebriated and forget what she was doing. And also I didn't want to have to have to go to the bathroom. So I was like, don't drink. So even in my drinking days, I never drank. Sticking Sweet Tour, there was something, I don't know what it was. I, just, I was not happy with the set list. I was not happy with the Hard Candy album. I don't know what it was, but I decided to drink. I had shitty seats. I didn't care. Um, I just like showed up, got drunk. I mean, I was going to the bathroom. I was like going, you know, I, just, I just I just sort of like phoned it in at that performance for some reason. I, I don't quite sure. In I don't this know why. show, I was focusing on all the wrong things. Like I didn't like how baggy her athletic shorts were. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't like that car on stage. Like if you're not going to yeah. drive it, then just don't have it. I didn't like the uh, Eurythmic song in the interlude when you could have just done your song. Right. Oh, okay, so let's. We're not here to trash Madonna. Oh, which I'm not I, which, her. I, which I know we're not. Which I know we're not. But if anyone thinks we are, we're not. But there were plenty of highlights. Which, when I go back to look at the Sticking Sweet tour, I am now able to be like, you know what? This was really great. Like the her performance of Vogue. I, when I watched it at first, I didn't like that it was the music of four minutes with Vogue, but now it actually kind of works. It's yeah. kind of like a fun version of Vogue, but I guess I just mentally was not ready to appreciate the show when it was there, mm-hmm. which now I can go back and be like, oh, you know what? That was actually really, really kind of cool. Yeah, and this is the first time that Madonna introduced Candy Shop to us. and Oh, a perennial favorite. A perennial favorite. We've had it in every tour since. I honestly, if she does not do Candy Shop at Madame X, I will be really disappointed. There will be rioting in the streets. Oh, I'm, I have my Candy Shop t-shirt ready. Mm-hmm. I'm Candy Shop forever. Wait, Can- you'll, you'll find me at the tour. Candy Shop was a big part of the hard candy slash sticky and sweet era. And um, it was her opener. It was her opener. It was everywhere. Um, if you didn't like it, you had to like it because you heard it so much. Yeah, suck it up, people. Suck candy up, people. candy shop was on the was on the uh, set list, and but so my thing that I loved about the show, and it was not part of the the uh, original leg; it was the part of the second leg. She sort of retooled the the set list a bit, yeah. and came took two numbers out and put two numbers in. Um, the one I mean that I love, and it's go find it online because it's absolutely amazing to watch. She does Frozen and the European leg of that tour, and she mixes in a Calvin Harris song, which the Calvin Harris song was huge at the time that she was doing it, and to see, and she dances her ass off in that version, and it's so so good. Um, it's just a very different style of dance for her, which we really hadn't sort of seen before, and like how they do the choreography. It's just it's brilliant. Yeah, and she does that interesting remix of. Um music slash put your hands up for Detroit. So good. Yeah, I mean, so I had good. seen, I think also that was part of the reason why I had seen her at Roseland for the Hard Candy promo tour. Yeah, I went to that too and it was, it well, was she, a different vibe. She had come out with Candy Shop the same way that she opens the Sticky and Sweet tour. She did music on that tour and it was the same, on the promo tour and it was the same version in Sticky and Sweet. So I think that was sort of where I was a little upset because I was like, why aren't they different on tour? Why are they the same version? I don't know why I was obsessed with that. Oh, I didn't think about that. I just thought, well, you know, this is what she's doing. Yeah, I don't know. But I love that version of music. I think it's kind of gritty and and fun. And 
Um, and then we get the Like a Prayer remix with It Feels Like Home. That was a huge so, electronic hit in so Europe good. at the time. Yeah, I'd look, that's what I love about Seeking Sweet Now. Like going back, if you look, the versions that she's doing are so heavy on electronica yeah. and it's really, really good. And that's what was happening at the time, especially, you know, in Europe and, you know, other parts of the world. Well, and then she also has that version of Holiday. So she brings Holiday on for the second leg of the tour, which she did not have in the original run. And the music that she uses for Holiday is the foundation for her song Celebration. Um, Celebration had not come out yet. Uh, So that was sort of like her teaser for that song before the greatest hits comes out. And she sang Holiday. And during Holiday... um, she did a little tribute to Michael Jackson where one of her dancers comes up and sort of like is dressed as Michael. And that was her, her homage to Michael Jackson who had recently passed away after they had launched the second leg of the tour. Yeah, that was really cool. So we didn't get to see Madonna on stage for another four years because she was busy getting divorced and directing a movie, Yeah, (laughs) but she came back with MDNA and she was angry. Yeah. It was uh, 2012 and, uh, Hot on the heels of her spectacular Super Bowl performance, Madonna decided to hit the road in support of her MDNA album with a tour of the same name. And make no mistake, this is Madonna's angry divorce tour. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, what can I say? She had such high hopes for this tour. Um, they announced it the night of the Super Bowl. I think tickets went on sale. The very next day. The very next day, MDNA went on pre-order. I mean, it was like MDNA rollout. You know, but yeah, it was. We get a lot of darkness in this show. There's a lot of violence in the first section with yeah. multiple numbers, including guns. You know, like when she comes out to uh, Girl Gone Wild, she has that gun. When she does Revolver, when she does Gangbang, yeah. there's a lot of guns being used in that. Um, obviously, it is not Madonna supporting gun violence. No, it but- is her take on gun violence and how perpetually it is part of our society now. Like, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I don't think Madonna will be pointing guns at the audience in future performances. Let's hope not. No. But um, I still, I mean, I thought the, the three first songs of the show were so well done. You know, like, coming Girl Gone Wild was such a fantastic way to open that tour. Yeah. The choreography on that, the staging of that, the way that the, the stage kept rising up and down and this and that, and her coming out from that little confessional booth shattering the glass and um it was just such a they opened that i remember they opened that show with those like those gregarian monks sort of chanting and swinging that thing back and forth and it was almost like it was a very simple way quiet way of starting a show um with the bells ringing and yeah it, it was really cool you know and when i got to see the mdna dvd is where i really got to like you know take it all in because I didn't have a great experience with this show. I saw it at Yankee Stadium, and this is not a stadium show. It so just I had seen it at Yankee Stadium as well. The scene shows at stadiums the acoustics are not good. The stage seems super far away. I couldn't see her. I yeah, I barely saw. I had so I had seen the. I was fortunate enough to win tickets to the golden triangle for the opening night in the United States was, was, which was in Philadelphia. Um, my friend Jennifer and I, we always try to go in Philadelphia and I had made her and I a little sash, like you would wear like a Miss America pageant. And it said MDNA across it. It caught, I tweeted it out, uh, to Guy O'Siri saying 
Madonna were on our way and Gaio series team reached out to us and offered us uh, Golden Triangle tickets. Literally, Jennifer was in the office. I was waiting for her outside of her work. We were going to go right from there. And I was like, Jennifer, we just won Golden Triangle tickets. And she was like, what? Oh my God. And we were like cheering, celebrating the whole subway ride down to the sports arena. And we got there and um, got to go in early uh, because we were there like right before the venue opened. And so we got in, you could hear her warming up in the venue before. And I was like trying to sneak a peek in. So like when the workers at the venue weren't paying attention, I would just sort of like casually walk over to the curtain area so I could just, and like they kept telling me, sir, you can't go in there. You can't go in there. So I was like, fine, fine, fine. But um, <laughs> we, they finally let us in. And, you know, the thing about the golden triangle was you're not allowed to drink in there. Cause I guess they just felt like they didn't want, well, they don't people, want hot messes. They don't in want, there. exactly. They want people slipping or whatnot. So once you get in there, you were stuck, you know, like you were sort of like, I mean, you could sneak out to go to the bathroom, but we were like, you know, when we got in there and of course you want to be up close and right up front, but Jennifer is a little shorter than me. So when we got up to the front, Jennifer couldn't see above the stage because the stage was so raised. So we decided to go to the point of the triangle where the little end of the catwalk stage was for her. And you could still turn around and see the main stage from there. And then she'd be right next to us. Um, so the funny thing about this is this was my first super close contact with Madonna that I'd had since touching her hand at the Roxy in 1998. Right. Um, because this performance I was at was the first show of her tour in the United States. <laughs> Every press picture of her on the end of that stage, you can see me di- oh, really? directly between her crotch. Um, there's oh, just that's const- a good place to be. Constant pictures of me between Madonna's legs. Like literally. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't this where you met Justin and Steve from the Immaculate Podcast? Yes. So um, our cohorts in Madonna podcasting. Hey guys. Hi guys. Uh, they uh, were directly next to Jennifer and I in the Golden Triangle. We were all having a trippy Madonna experience. Um, I'm sure they've, you know, have their plenty of stories as well, but it's like, it is another world to be like, cause we felt like we were in the show. The show is happening around you when you're in this little fan pit. I mean, it wasn't little, but um, to just have to like turn and spin and watch her and have the dancers right around you. It was, um, it was another worldly experience. So I guess maybe that was why MDNA is like such a great show to me because I had, Yankee Stadium been my only touch point of that show, I would have hated it because you can't sort of see anything in the stadiums. But my first experience was in the Golden Triangle, so I loved it. Um, I'm sure you loved Candy Shop, too. Um, my, <laughs> I liked that version slightly better than the album version at that time, but um, it is not my favorite version of Candy Shop. That's That was... Soon to come. I had no idea it was coming. <laughs> a curious thing happened at MDNA, I mean, at least in, you know, in the tour, is that songs that I did not like on the MDNA album, I loved performed live. Such as? Um, I'm a Sinner, Love oh, Spent. It, it was so good. Yeah. I, I, Turn I, up the radio. I'm a Sinner was one of those that were like, I was surprised how many people in the auditorium were singing the lyrics yeah. to that. Like that was like a strange sing-along song, which right. I was also, not I don't give a fuck. I am. I'm like, people know this. Yeah. 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 I guess <laughs> that's what it was like when I heard people like literally 
saying the list of saints in I'm a Sinner. I'm like, how do people know this other than me? Like, I just thought it would be me singing this. Um, but, and actually, funnily enough, on like uh, I'm a Sinner, I'm a Sinner is probably, the, I think that's the fourth time that Madonna and William Orbit had produced a song yes. that used the same foundation as three previous songs. So they had started that sort of like the using of that with um, Ray of Light. They repeated it again with Beautiful Stranger. After that was amazing, the song. And then I'm a Sinner. So it's if you listen to all four of those songs, it's the same foundation with the beat and the background and the structure, but they've completely, and I'm, I wonder, this is, this would always be a question for either William Orbit, if he wants to come on the show or Madonna, when we finally get to talk to her, uh, if it's intentional, like if they're specifically saying, all right, well, you know, we're working together again, let's do another song just like Ray of Light. Well, I think it's that style that they were really into. Um, they were inspired a lot by late sixties, uh, British guitar rock. Mm -hmm. And it's very specific, you know, like as, you know, as all of you know, the history of Ray of Light, Ray of Light was, you know, kind of derived from one of those kind of songs. And that's, that's their sound when they get together. I think this is like, you know, this is their favorite drink. Yeah. And it works really well. I just love how they, they've done it. I think some of the other power numbers from MDNA for me was Vogue. I think that was probably the classiest, most quintessential version of Vogue we had seen other than the Super Bowl performance. Right. And I love the Gautier outfit for that. Yeah. It's a nice twist on the original sort of yeah. cone bra look that he had done for her in 1990. Um, but then I also loved, I don't know why, I was obsessed with uh, I'm Addicted. Oh, I love I'm Addicted. There was something about the staging and the outfits and the choreography that I just worshipped during that tour. I, I mean, I love going and rewatching that number. It just, it's it's really, really good. Um, that tour also sort of had that, oh no, she didn't moment, which was when she matched up Express Yourself with Born This Way from Lady Gaga. And she's not me. You could hear people in the audience when she started singing Born This Way, people were like, what is she doing? And it was really fun. And But it came off really well. Yeah, I mean, you know she's just joking around. Yeah. She, it wasn't like she was literally hating on Lady Gaga because... Um, if she were, she would have said something out loud. Well, and she also had to pay Lady Gaga to yeah. use that song. You know, I mean, people don't, she can't just go out and sing a song and not yeah. give Lady Gaga money for singing it. Like if it's on her tour album and tour DVD, Lady Gaga got paid for that. So yeah, that's not how, so people are saying that Madonna hated her. Well, she's giving her money. She's if giving she, her money. If she really hated her, she wouldn't have sung the song. Yeah, I was more impressed with uh, the marching band that was like coming from the ceiling. Well, and remember she had wanted to do that for the Super Bowl? Yeah. And they were like, uh, Madonna, we can't do that. It's a, it's, a, it's a venue without a ceiling. Yeah. So she couldn't. And I love that she sort of did that for the tour. Yeah. I'll let you talk about the closer celebration since I don't oh, want to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tony's not a fan of Celebration. Um, in I, any I, form. I always, I have a soft spot in my heart for that song. I love the Benny Benassi remix. I love that she trotted that out at the, as the closer for this. Um, some iterations of the, she did change something on that, and I forget what it was, but um, I love that little Rocco is one of the dancers at the very end. I always felt like, I'm like, I hope he doesn't get smashed by one of those rising columns, but he was... A quick little one. Mm -hmm. um, it's just cute to sort of see. How, and then 
literally that tour ended and he grew up. Like yeah. it was like he was a small little kid. And then the next thing he, he was a teenager, like the, the, the month after that tour ended, it was, it was fun to sort of see, but uh, yeah, I just loved all the colors and all the outfits that they were wearing. Um, she was wearing flats. Yeah. She, she, had, she had sneakers on during that number. Um, but yeah, it was good. I, that's MDNA was, I think a really great show, even though there was a lot of darkness, I think it sort of the darkness and anger people sort of couldn't see past that, but there was a lot of great numbers. The Calican trio yeah. doing a lot of acoustic numbers again, deep knee squats, which she was in in that, you know, thank you, Madonna, for those deep knee squats. MDNA got an amazing um, DVD release. I That's my favorite way to see it. And, you know, it it actually had a different kind of packaging from all her other DVD releases. So I, I always like to, you know, bring attention to that because to me that's very important. We had to wait another three years for Madonna's next album, and we all know what happened with the release of Rebel Heart, so we won't discuss that, but... The Rebel Heart Tour was uh, Madonna's way of redeeming that disappointment. Yeah, it was, uh, un- you know, the unfortunate leak of that album. And then there was her tumble at the performance of the Brit Awards. It sort of felt, what tumble? It sort of felt like the Rebel Heart era was a little cursed. So it was nice. You know, Madonna, always the triumphant. She came and showed haters why she's the queen of pop with an all-out spectacle. I mean, Rebel Heart, it was, we had never witnessed a Madonna show that was so so nuanced and complex. Like, it was just constantly shifting and changing. You know, like, she, it was bent heavy on a little bit of religious imagery. It gave us some sections of nostalgia and some whimsy. And I loved that, you know, there was a lot of old tracks, you know, because there were some people who were saying, um, you know, Madonna doesn't do old numbers in her song anymore. And for people who say that she doesn't, uh, go see Rebel Heart. Go see Rebel Heart tour. In that tour, we got Burning Up, True Blue, Deeper and Deeper, Love Don't Live Here Anymore, Like a Virgin, Dress You Up, Into the Groove, Who's That Girl, Material Girl, and Holiday. And that's an awful lot of Madonna classics. We also got Body Shop. I <laughs> choose not to talk about Body That's not a Madonna classic. I don't understand that song. I never will understand it's, that song. I, I, to me, it was like her cutesy version. Like, it was like a Cherish song. That was my I'm going to the bathroom song. Yeah. But, and then we got, I, I thought we were shortchanged on the DVD and the, the live album where we did not get Love Don't Live Here Anymore. It right. such a phenomenal song to hear her sing live. She sounded great. And they cut it. Now, I'm sure there was some sort of licensing dispute well, yeah, or whatnot. she didn't write it. So. Yeah, so they were probably like, no, Madonna. You can, or you have to pay us too much. And she was like, fuck that. I'm not going to pay it. But uh, it's still a crime. It's a crime <laughs> that we didn't get. Thank God for the internet because you can find versions of it all over. And I, the version that I think I have a, a little audio rip of, when she's singing Heartbreak City and goes into yes. Love Don't Live Here yes. anymore, you can hear these queens right next to whoever's recording it freak the fuck out like they are like high-pitched screaming and for good reason because it it was kind of an amazing moment to hear her sing that song yeah those screens were also heard screaming when candy shop was performed now so thank you (laughs) thank you for addressing that i loved when i knew she was doing candy shop and so when it was starting i was like oh here we go is this the erotic candy shop candy shop again no i think that was um, that was mdna that was mdna but um the version that she does of Candy Shop is probably my favorite version of Candy Shop ever. We get some deep knee squats again. Yes, we do. And just there's something about the beat. And I remember as she's singing it, I found myself like 
dancing to it and singing along. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm dancing the candy she's shop. She's finally done it. She's <laughs> won me over for candy shop. And now I literally, I'm, I'm not being facetious when I say this. If she does not perform candy shop at the Madame X show, I will be very disappointed. Yeah. I, I just could, would love to hear what she does with it again. You know, like if she can sort of like reinvent it in a way or whatnot. Um, but I love Rebel Heart Tour because unlike with Confessions where she did not descend from the ceiling, she does. Yes. She comes, descends down from a cage and it's her. You can see it. You know, there's no hiding it. And it was such an epic way to open a show. That opening film that she shot with Stephen Klein. Yeah. And it's just her leading the charge as like a Joan of Arc type of warrior and going into iconic. I mean, that was such a phenomenal way. The sets, the warriors with their with their poles, with their like their fighting stabs and the costumes. And that was just such an epic way to open a show. It was amazing. I love the Justify My Love interlude. That could have just been a full-on number. As far as I would have loved that. Yeah. And again, and then we went into the Vogue after that. And right? We were Vogue, yeah. on, right? Um, yeah, but Re- Rebel Heart is another one of those where songs that I wasn't really into on the album just came to life as they should on stage. Oh, I mean, I loved Bitch on Madonna. Yeah. I, I thought Bitch on Madonna was so great. In fact, that was people constantly asking me, because in case you didn't know. No, I was going to ask you, like, what did you think of other songs like Unapologetic Bitch? <laughs> well, Tony, no, I was just going to say, <laughs> in, in case people are listening to this podcast for the first time and they have they didn't know this, I had the ominous, a wonderful moment, uh, the privilege to dance on stage with Madonna. I was her unapologetic bitch in Philadelphia for the Rebel Heart Tour. A lot of people constantly ask me, how? How did you get picked? How did you get up there? I, I, it's not like they pull you out of the row and say, well, we picked you because of X, Y, and Z. I have no idea how I happen to be the lucky person. I theorize that I, I mean, have been posting for a week straight on my Instagram posts dedicated to her. I, I constantly used to do homage pictures of me doing poses like her and trying to make it look like the look and feel of the photo or whatnot. So I would tag her and Guy Siri on Instagram. Maybe they saw the posts and that's how they knew. The day of the show, because of uh, Bitch on Madonna, where she uses these red fans, I ran down to Chinatown in Philadelphia and got Jennifer and I red fans and we were flailing them all over this, you know, before the show. And I posted on Instagram saying, you know, from my seat, we were fourth row in the venue. And I was like, fourth row bitches. And like <laughs> tagging Madonna and Guy here. So who knows? I mean, I had a very ostentatious outfit. I had that red fan. Nobody else in the venue had a red fan. So note to self, if you want people to notice you when you're at a Madonna show, wear something that maybe nobody else is wearing. I don't know. I don't think it was any of those things. I think it's just the simple fact that you're the tallest guy in the room. Well, there was that too. Yeah, I I did. (laughs) I was a tall man wearing a boy toy reflected boy toy hat uh, with a leopard print bill uh, and the shirt that she was wearing from the Bitch on Madonna video, which was custom made for me from TomTom Fashions. Amazing. I have one now and I love it. Yeah, and it's, um, it's just amazing. So I... And then there was just a little bit of luck on my part. You know, I mean, the d- divine intervention of being a Madonna fan for that long. So I, I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, to me, the Rebel Heart Tour always will be 
such a special moment for me. Um, I had seen it twice before I got to go up on stage because a lot of people were like, Stephanie, you look like you were part of the show. And I'm like, well, I'd seen the show two times before. So I sort of knew what she was doing with the fans. Um, And I am a bit of a theater connoisseur. I I come from a bit of theater. And when I went, when I, you know, you go up on that stage, I was like, well, you can either stand and do nothing and look ridiculous, or you can have the moment of your life and be part of the show. And that's what I did. And it was just the inner theater person in me just sort of took over and I, Went crazy and had a had a blast. And bravo, you know, every time I see that footage, it's not only so exciting to see someone I know on stage with Madonna, but also it's inspiring, you know, because it could be any of us, you know. Which and that's and that's the truth. You know, like I was I was sitting there thinking how miraculous this moment was, but it was not lost on me that there are so many other people that are going to have this too and how great it was. And it was so fun to sort of like keep track of all the other unapologetic bitches that weren't celebrities during the run of Rebel Heart Tour, you know, because she would bring up like Anderson Cooper. I think the first New York show where I saw it, she brought up Amy Schumer who had opened for her. Uh, she brought up friends of her dancers. Her yeah. kids were up there. You know, like uh, uh, Katy Perry, Ariana Our friend Grande. Oksana, the director of the yes. Like a Prayer documentary. Oksana got up twice, lucky her. And But yeah, so it was, it was kind of fun to sort of be up there. I mean, I can only say that like, and it, it flew by. I mean, it was the fastest two minutes of my life, but at the same time felt like it was going on forever. And um, yeah, it was just weird. To, the energy exchange that you get from being up there feeling her energy and the crowd's energy. It was like, I was, I was up to like five in the morning because I could not fall asleep. So what about the sudden realization that everyone who ever meets Madonna face to face has is, Oh my God, she's tiny. You know, it was, uh, I had seen her in person, obviously on tour before and up close at Roxy. And so I had seen her in person a couple of times, but standing next to her on stage, holding her hand, Mm -hmm. um, she didn't seem as tiny as I thought she was going to be. And like, with you, when you look at the picture of me and her, she comes up to, I think about my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't seem like inordinately small. It wasn't she's like, like Kylie Minogue, I think she's like 4'11". So she's like. In, Calm so down, Kylie's five feet. But she's <laughs> super tiny. You yeah. Know, like, I think Madonna's like 5'7", five, 5'8". Uh, five, probably five, nine, five, ten in heels. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've never stood in front of Madonna, but when I've, I've only been in the room with her once and she seemed small, but she was also far away. But yeah, I've actually stood next to Kylie and um, her heels were defying gravity. So. Right, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, but it was, yeah. I mean, being on, I, and I actually, I had the privilege to be in LA when the Rebel Heart Tour was in LA after my Philadelphia experience. And I said, no. I, I am not even going to try to get tickets because if I see it from shitty seats and I am not on stage with her, it will just not be the same. So I was like, unapologetic bitch will be the last time I see the Rebel Heart. Yeah, Heart. because we don't want you to leave with the resentment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I know, Tony, I was not chuffed that I was left out of the DVD version of Unapologetic Bitch. That's okay. That's all right. Katy Perry got the, made the cut. I did not. It lives on in your memory and ours. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that leaves us with Madame X in 10 days. You know, um, this has been, this has been kind of like going on in my mind for the last week where it's like real that this is happening. We're going to see it. 
Uh, I've even had dreams of songs that I imagine that are part of the set list. Like, for example, I woke up the other morning and I was like, wow, I'm so happy that she's going to be doing the Miami mix of Don't Cry For Me Argentina <laughs> with a full-on Argentine tango band. Oh, that would be fun. Um, that would be fun, you know, and it would actually blend in really nicely with Crazy. Mm -hmm. and, but, you know, let's not get... Ahead of ourselves. Well, I was going to say, yeah, normally I'll be sitting here thinking, oh, I hope she does this. I hope she does that. I haven't been sort of theorizing about what she's going to do. I mean, I think we sort of know. I mean, I think once we figured out she was doing Rescue Me, yeah. I, I sort of checked out. I was like, okay, that's it. That's all I care about. Yeah. Now, now everything else can be a surprise. I get that. And yeah, when I heard that she was doing Rescue Me, I also felt like a sigh of relief because finally... Enough love. Enough love, yes. But <laughs> finally, I'm not worried. If she's doing Rescue Me, then I'm happy with whatever else happens. Yeah, and you know, well, and you know that means that Body Shop will not be making an appearance. Correct, right. You know that she's going to be Hold Tight will not be featured. Uh, you, uh, you know, funnily enough, Hold Tight is one of the songs I think she should have put on the second leg of the MDNA tour when she sort of redid it the following year. Um Because I felt like that should have been a single. But Hold Tight was on Rebel Heart, dude. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. When she did the, didn't she do two legs of Rebel Heart? I don't recall. But, you know, you guys can. In 2000, yeah, she started in 2015 and then she came back and did 2016. And I felt like. That's right. I yes. felt like she should have put Hold Tight on because it could have been a great tour. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, so yeah, so this is where we are. Where We're going to get a lot of goodness coming. I It's, it's coming sooner than we think. And yeah. um, just so you know. Tony and I are seeing her on the 19th, which will be the second night of the show. We are going to be doing a recap of our experience. Um, I understand that there are sometimes people who don't want to hear spoilers about shows, but unfortunately, we are not going to not be able to talk about it. Exactly. And also, let's be realistic, guys. If you have a social media presence and if you're also looking at the internet on a daily basis like most people in the world are, you're not going to be able to get away from this information. Yeah, it's going to be all... Now, we're going to tell you our experience and what we feel and what we think. Obviously, everyone seeing the show has their own right to their own opinion. So um, whether you like it, whether you love it, whether you don't like it, I mean, who knows how it's going to go. I just know that it's going to be an interesting experience yeah. seeing her in a small little venue like that. Exactly. Very exciting. But next week, we are going to see Nikki and Donna perform in Brooklyn, and we will recap that. And Yeah, we're so looking forward to it. I think there's going to be a lot of fellow Madonna fans there. I know the guys at Immaculate Podcast are going to be there. Right. So. I have some other um, you know, podcast listeners that have expressed to me that they're going to be there. So if I haven't talked to you, reach out, say hi, let's meet up. Yeah, you'll be, able to, you'll be able to see us. We'll, Tony and I will be wearing our... Uh, and, MLVC t-shirts um, that we had designed. And speaking of MLVC t-shirts, we are having our little live, well, not live drawing, but we are having a drawing. Well, it's live right now. It's live right now. It's, it's, it's happening right now. So everyone who entered our little online giveaway for their very own MLVC podcast t-shirt, thank you for entering. Thanks, um, guys. Uh, if you didn't enter, um, shame on you. But um, <laughs> we're doing uh, our little live drawing now. So I have... Um, all of the the number the little names. I mean, the response was overwhelming. I just want to thank all of you for responding, and I wish everyone good luck. All right, Tony, why don't you pick a pick a name? 
Random. Oh. This is all random. This is so exciting. Okay. May I? Yes, do it. Let's do the honors. And the MLBC podcast t-shirt goes to... Greggy Graham. Oh. oh. Well, so thank you for everyone for, for entering. Um, we will reach out to Greg on Instagram and let him know that he won. But, um, and we'll, we'll get you your T-shirt. But uh, yeah, congrats, Greg. Congratulations. And before we sign off, promotional consideration provided by My Name is Coruscant. That's spelled C-O-R-O-C-E-T. My name is Coruscant is an independent creative and strategic marketing consultancy for luxury, nonprofit, retail, e-commerce, and lifestyle brands. You can find Coruscant on facebook.com forward slash my name is Coruscant and reach out to Michael. And if you need an agency to work for you and your brand, there he is. So yeah, rate and review, like, and subscribe. We are on Every platform where you can listen to podcasts, you can also find us on Luminary. That's the new one that we just ended up on. Also, you can find us on Instagram at MLBC Podcast. And you can also reach us at MLBCPodcast.com and send us an email with any suggestions or questions. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you loved this episode as much as we did. Feel free to go back and look at all the tours and uh, get prepared for what she's about to do with Madame X. That's right. And we'll see you guys next week at Come On Everybody for the Nikki and Donna show and on the podcast a week after that. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.